Hey everyone, Bob WP here, and we are back with Do The Woo, episode 103. We're moving into this second century, and um, with a lot of great guests as well. And of course, one of my illustrious co-hosts is joining me, Jonathan. How are you doing today? I'm good. I mean, you're top three, right? Yeah, top three. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I haven't got quite a rating system up yet, but... um. We'll see what that the criteria will be for that. So, I am doing very well. It's starting to get. I, you know, I quite like snow uh, in North Idaho. We've had some decent snow this year, but I'm I'm quite enjoying the early uh, allusions to spring that we're seeing here. It's starting to get a little bit warmer. So, yeah, I'm doing very well. Excellent. Well, I want to dive right into this because we have someone on that I've known for several years, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with him on everything that's going on with his business. But first, just a quick shout out to PayPal, who is our community sponsor. Of course, I've talked about this before, but uh, do check out their pay later options. Uh, If you have clients that are looking for kind of getting into that space and looking at another way for conversions on their site, definitely check that out and check out their extension on WooCommerce.com, the PayPal checkout extension. And a quick shout out, we have a WooCommerce Live uh, payments episode airing that will have aired by the time this airs. And PayPal was a contributor. They contributed some really helpful information about the value of pay later to that episode. So if you didn't see that, check that out. That's something that you might find useful for some of your clients and the folks that y'all serve. It was it was really nice of them. They put some good stuff together. Cool. Well, I will put a link in the show notes to that for people can go check that out. Well, we have someone, as I said, that has been in the space for quite some time. I've known for quite some time. Uh, we occasionally run into each other when we were able to run into each other in the, the good old days. And I'm sure we'll do it again sometime in the future. But um, we have Jake Goldman from 10 Up. Hey, Jake, how you doing? Hey, good to speak to you. I'm doing I'm doing well, doing great. Cool. And Jake, you've been in this space, like I said, and we're going to talk about this journey because you just recently celebrated the 10th anniversary for uh, 10 Up, which is a huge milestone. What do you do to do the woo? I mean, what is um, 10 Up doing right now around WooCommerce? So a uh, bunch of things that we're doing around WooCommerce, although fair to say, I think our uh, our best adventures are still ones that are uh, in front of us. Um, historically, I'd say over the last few years, we've sort of always, we've used it for a good handful of projects as sort of like a, how to say it, like a, a add-on for like sort of secondary commerce activities and enterprise. We haven't really in our earliest years found like the kind of customers we tend to work with see it as a primary platform. But one example would be... Uh, Long-time customer now of 10UP, uh, for those of you on the West Coast, you may be familiar with uh, Boudin Bakery. They're uh, known for their clam chowder in San Francisco, sort of the original sourdough company. They have a completely, like, proprietary design for, like, you know, uh, you know, ordering your meal in advance or ordering your takeout. But they always have had, like, little, like, one-off campaigns, products. So, for example, they have this, like, bread pre-ordering system. Mm. That for the holidays, you could order like, you know, I don't know, like a turkey shaped sourdough bread or something like that, <laughs> um, or like pumpkin shaped for Halloween, that kind of stuff. And so, like, for example, there we have seen real interest for people that are already using WordPress as their primary CMS and adding in Woo to add that kind of very discreet, very specific kind of functionality. We did tickets for another uh, another client in the past in the sort of the theater space, uh, speaking of uh, old fashioned models now. <laughs> 
um, uh, things we used to do. Uh, another big way that we're involved in Woo is more on the tooling end. So uh, probably one of our, mo our deepest involvements in sort of understanding how Woo works and optimizing for Woo is uh, our work on ElasticPress, which is our uh, our plugin, our integration for WordPress and Elasticsearch. It's ElasticPress.io if you want to read about it. Um, that's both the SaaS service homepage, but would point you to the open source plugin that we use. We very specifically, as a common use case of Elasticsearch integration, have optimized that plugin and continue to optimize that plugin for Woo and e-commerce specifically. Yep. Probably one of the most common cases in WordPress where you're not only shopping perhaps very large volumes of content, but you're doing a ton of faceting, filtering, like the five category, you know, medium size shirts for men in this kind of style that, you know, traditional SQL is not even with the best caching and the best tables, in, you know, in the world is not really great at, at high performance and scale. So a lot of work on the Elastic, uh, on the Elastic Search and Elastic Press front. And then we are starting to see some uh, new prospects and new customers we're starting business with, where we're really starting to see, speaking of 10 years ago, Circo WordPress 10 years ago, we are starting to see this creep into, you know, some larger businesses, some enterprises into being open to. So uh, taking this 10 years, because uh, you, you've been like doing this thing full time, it's been fantastic to watch 10up grow sort of all over all this period of time. Are there any like you've, you've seen a lot of change and growth in WordPress as a whole? I've, I've, it's hard for me to sort of snapshot back like where we were with WordPress at that point. But suffice to say, there's been a lot of growth. Are there any particular highlights that stand out to you as you sort of look at your like agency journey and and growing to the size and scale that you guys have, like what are some of the, the 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 milestones that stand out to you, if any? Milestones in terms of like for ten up specifically, or yeah, for ten up specifically as an agency, sort of growing up in this space and like being at the forefront of a lot of different types of things. Yeah, what what are some of the things that stand out to you as you look back on on ten years? So I think most of the things that stand out to me, like I would say. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going the right direction with this, aren't necessarily about like WordPress or the CMS ecosystem in particular. Some of them might be, it's hard to ignore over the last like couple of years, a change in the way we think about content editing as a sort of watershed moment and in influencing how we approach, uh, how we approach our business. But I mean, in the broadest sense, I would say certainly milestones, like in year one, bringing on our first employees and starting to have payroll, certainly a major moment for any business. I would say bringing in our uh, chief executive officer, John Ekman, th roughly three years in, circa, two four, circa 2014 is a big moment for me to be able to think about uh, what does it mean to offload some of the responsibilities that maybe as a, as a founder, I'm not necessarily, uh, I'm not necessarily the best at. Um, yeah. Thinking about the business, I would say uh, forming more of an executive team and, and structuring really, or, you know, bonus compensation programs, really formalizing what it means to have structured objectives. Um, yeah, I could probably go on and on just about those objectives. I'd say crossing 100 people certainly felt like a major milestone in some sense. Uh, crossing 10 million, you know, years ago in, in annual revenue. This a year ago, you know, right before uh, naturally uh, amid the pandemic, a major economic uh, moment, we brought on a dedicated chief financial officer. That was always sort of a role. That was one of those classic. Everybody does a you know CEO and I a financial manager and a outsourced contractor on some financial stuff all sort of split codifying that as a as a full time very senior executive C suite role recently felt like major a major moment to me for some reason I guess in my mind I mark more of our major moments by like people that came on our team milestones 
team size, kind of the impact that that has. So it, it's it's a there's a lot of ways you can go with this, and no wrong right or wrong answers, I think. But we so with Woo in particular, there's I, I've been seeing a lot more of like new agencies coming into the space and and folks recognizing this opportunities and service. In broad strokes, like what advice, if any, would you have for folks who are kind of getting into the service space? As you look back on like the ten years that you've learned of lessons learned and the wins and, and the difficulties, like any broad stroke advice for the the new agencies starting up? Yeah, a few things that always jump out to me, and again, some of this is philosophical, depending on what you where you want to take your business. Um, I'm always an advocate for people, uh, A, silly as it sounds, really spending the time getting the assistance that they need to to understand their real numbers early on. A lot of people, especially they kind of like ooch over from freelance where you're covering yourself into building a business. I, I think, you know, understandably kind of wing it, but I think understanding what is the actual cost of like my first payroll, what do I actually need to achieve to be able to be comfortable doing that? I think some people are surprised when they actually put pencil to paper and surprised in a good way. And then maybe it's less difficult than you think it is uh, to make that leap. That's a great point. I would also say like, I'm a big advocate. And again, this is my style of business, but I'm a big advocate for not letting yourself think of supply and demand as a zero sum game, which is to say like the wrong way to build a business, which can be how, you know, especially if you're risk adverse, how you naturally think of it is I wait till I have an opportunity. Then I go find the people to fulfill that opportunity, I'm a big advocate for like, always be hiring, always be searching. Even if you don't think you have the team in place to do that work at that moment, keep looking for when those next op- what those next opportunities are. Even if you don't have an immediate hiring need, start having those conversations. You might find people that are, are worth making the sacrifice for. They don't come around along all the time. Um, and you don't know when you're going to need that help and you don't want to start that process only once you need it. So I guess if I had to pick two pieces of advice, spend the time and energy to understand the numbers and the finance underlying your business, um, and always be searching for those, you know, in the market for that next talent, that next opportunity. Don't wait till you have the need. I like those advices because I agree wholeheartedly and they're also hard. To, to, to do like drawing from my experience in the agency world and talking to other agency folks it that's that that feast or famine tension makes a lot of folks it's 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 easy to be risk averse and you end up missing opportunities when you're like man i wish i'd hired that person yep we need them now yep nothing about building a business that's easy <laughs> Man, well, congratulations. It should be, it should go without saying for you guys have done fantastic work on a lot of fronts. 10 years is, is not trivial in the agency world. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I think that um, Bob WP became, it was 10 years um, last year at this time. So, so I, I was just thinking, but it was similar. We're just one year off, but um and, and you've grown quite a bit more than Bob WP has, you know. <laughs> I suspect if we looked out there in the ecosystem, there's a lot of companies that are somewhere in that like 7 to 12 or 13-year-old. It really was, if you look back, 7 to, th- you know, I'd say in that 7 to 12-year range, that really was, I think, the a big watershed time in the space for companies to start emerging and to really be able to build a business in a life. In a, you know. Yeah, I noticed that, that there was a lot of tenure around that time. And there's also a lot of, People that got into WordPress initially, I, I talk about it 2007, and they that's another 
kind of lump around that time. So I think it was that late into 2010 that a lot started. One of the things, and this is something that occurred to me, and I'm not sure if you have a real straight answer for it, but I, I talked to a lot of product makers in the space. What is your suggestion to them? They're, you know, they, they create this product and they, they, you know, I, I shouldn't probably say this, but they salivate thinking, oh, it'd be great if, 10 up knew about my product. And then you get all these emails. I mean, everybody's getting these emails all the time. Can you sit down, jump on a demo on Zoom? You know, I'd like you to show a product. And it's like, okay, I got 20 of these today. I'd spend my entire life doing that. Is there any suggestions you could give to those product makers? I mean, I, I think we'd probably go down the route of, you know, just building relationships over time and getting into the space. But anything that comes to mind that you might, tell them to consider before just, you know, sitting down and thinking, you know, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to pop this and they're going to love it. I'm not sure. I'm cautious that I have too much good advice to give. I mean, I am, uh, you know, I'm always uh, a little bit allergic to people that are in the product businesses that declare themselves the experts in service and agency business. And I'm likewise reluctant to sit here and pretend I can opine as an expert on how to build a product business. I haven't. We have some products, but they're largely been organic extensions. What I might offer uh, in terms of the way that we think about releases is uh, I do think products that are born out of a first interested customer and a first real use case tend to be better products than ones we dream up in our garage. I'd say whether it's a free open source solution we've made that has taken off and like really gotten mass adoption or even things like Elastic Press, some of the products that we do offer at 10 up, they weren't. You know, there wasn't, we sat around and dreamed up what might the market want or what might be, what might be cool or what would I want. In fact, the couple of times I would say we took that direction, they were not successful uh, initiatives. They were all born A, out of this is a real thing we are seeing repeated need and interest for. And maybe it's a luxury we have as a services business, but almost all of them came out of like, here's a first customer. We got to do the work anyways of doing it for them. How do we think about doing it in a way that is a little bit more abstracted, putting some of our own investment into it to build in a way where we can experiment it with being a standardized offering. Um, And it gives you a real world trial. It gives you some income helping integrate it into your first customer. So I guess I'm rambling, but long story short. And and if if I'm understanding the question right, Bob, and correct me if not, part of it is like, Product companies will rightly see agencies, especially depending on the, t- the type of product fit, but they'll rightly see agencies as a key sort of, oh, we got to get in with them. If they like the product, then they're going to recommend it to their clients, et cetera. And like that can quickly be a waste of time, right? But but sometimes it can be a really good, it can be a really good fit, right? Like products can empower more opportunities on the service side in, in terms of integrations and customizations. I'd be curious because I get the same thing. I'll have product folks reach out to me in my role at WooCommerce and say, hey, we want to be on the marketplace or we want this. We want to get in front of more folks or we want to connect with your agency partners. And mm-hmm. yeah, from your perspective as someone who does work with products that you bring into to the clients that you serve, any 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 guidance to offer to the the would-be startups that would love to have like 10 up in their list of companies that endorse their product and recommend it to clients. Yeah. I'm trying to think of useful advice. I would say like in the constant merry, you know, there's the I'm trying to think how to say it. There's the like 
we are looking for people that need help integrating your plugins and you are looking for customers that want to integrate your plugins. Yep. I would say like if you have adopters, if you have people that are actively looking for help and support integrating your solutions, so the most honest answer here is come to me saying I've got a customer who needs help integrating their first product. Yep. That's a pretty easy thing for us to say. This isn't, you know, there's a real use of our time on this case. It's a way to get to know your product and it's a way to actually build excitement about it. Um, that and, you know, <laughs> again, this sounds almost silly or Pollyanna to say, but like do a good job of explaining in, in SEO marketing in plain terms what your product does. The reality is like we don't sit around think we you know, we don't usually sit around just in the abstract thinking about what products our customers might want to buy or use. What we're doing is we're encountering problems, business issues, specific requests that customers have. And then we are doing our research to figure out what is the best solution from them. That's not going to come out of someone like cold pitching us or sales marketing to us. It's going to come out of us doing our research in the market. So, No, I, I like that. I mean, it's because it, product folks can be in that position of being able to find customers who are like, yes, I want this and I need this. And if they sort of focus on building that demand and then go to an agency with, hey, I've got actual opportunities here. Like that's the, okay, well, we can talk about this. It's not just hypotheticals. I like that. Thanks to our sponsor, PayPal. PayPal offers buy now, pay later options that your clients can use to help increase their sales on their WooCommerce shops. They give store customers more purchasing power through flexible and transparent choices in how and when they pay. So offering these payment options is good business. Did you know that 64% of consumers surveyed say they are more likely to make a purchase at a retailer that offers interest-free payment options? And 56% of consumers that responded agree that they prefer to pay a purchase back in installments rather than use a credit card. Well, this seems like a no-brainer to me. Your clients can grow their sales and get paid up front with no additional risk or costs. All you need to do is download the PayPal checkout extension on the marketplace at WooCommerce.com. I suggest you just head over there, click on the marketplace, and search for the PayPal checkout for your next client project. Because suggesting that your clients will certainly open up sales opportunities for them. I would just like to thank PayPal for being our community sponsor at Do The Woo. And now back to the conversation. A little bit on the enterprise side of things. Uh, I've been in a couple conversations lately and it's been with some of the larger hosting companies. And there's been some uh, couple, I think there was a couple agencies in there and they were going back on the same kind of discussion convincing clients to use WooCommerce on enterprise sites. Where does that fall in with 10up? Do you have challenges? Do you have strategies? How about, you know, when that big enterprise site comes up and you have, you're going to say to them, yeah, WooCommerce is really the choice you should do. What has been your experiences around that? And is that kind of changing over time? Yeah, I spoke to it a little bit earlier. I think they're very open-minded to the extent that they're already sold on WordPress on where e-commerce is a secondary activity or is a secondary priority. I think they're entirely open-minded to our recommendation about what the right integration is. You know, I think as a primary site feature, the reality is, is that most of the enterprise market, I think, is already pretty opinionated about what solution they need to use. I mean, 
there are definitely agencies out there, some massive agencies like the Accentures of the world that I would say, you know, people that are in Gardner and stuff that I would say drive influence over what are the platforms to use and select. I think that there is sometimes, a, particularly in enterprise business, there can be a bit of a fallacy or a bad assumption about how much we as services business influence the technology oh. decision-making. At medium SMB scale, absolutely, right? Yeah, to be a little bit obnoxious here, you get somebody that doesn't really understand web tech at all. They come to you and they just say, I have a problem. How do you solve it? At enterprise big business, I've got a CTO. I've got a VP of technology and engineering at my business. They're not coming to you as a large enterprise saying, we have no idea what e-commerce. There's almost like a job security factor in that. Like at that level, if they have those types of people, they, it's kind of like their job to know something. And Right. Yeah. Right. So I kind of make the distinction between like there are enterprises for whom e-commerce is their business in the extreme, like a Walmart or the less extreme, like a Macy's or a you know, GameStop. I don't know. Um, I wonder where that's on the mind. Uh, the, uh, right. So there are those business for whom e-commerce is their business. There is, I'll be honest, like there is really no world where they don't come to you. They don't come to an agency, frankly, sometimes even identify their agency from the starting point of this is, these are the platforms I'm considering. These are the integrations I'm, I'm, I'm considering. Again, if you're at the very high level of, I would say like the very elite select few where you can influence a gardener, you can influence the major influencers on enterprise decision-making, you can drive that decision-making process. Sorry to say that as, as, uh, as I'd like to think as influential as we are, we are not at the size where we are convincing the largest institutions in the world what, what e-commerce platform they should be. Those you're, you're not likely to have much influence that you have to really be prepared to adapt and adjust to the options that they're considering. Mm. There are some space that I think we're starting to emerge where you'll start to see same, I think, largely slow burn approach WordPress has taken. Um, I think, you know, credit to the folks like uh, Automatic, uh, Jonathan, that are that are trying to slow burn in this space, that are maybe starting to, to consider in the same way that maybe WordPress was for, you know, non-publishing, non-media, CMS are starting to say, hmm, we use WordPress. This thing looks pretty interesting. People are using it. I think you're starting to see at the edges some enterprises, not the biggest ones using e-commerce, but some significant enterprises that have a significant e-commerce requirement start to be very open to considering WooCommerce in their journey of what platforms we can choose. And that's where we can have influence to hopefully make a good pitch for why they, they should lean into that decision making. There's a whole other set of enterprises where, again, it's not their e-commerce businesses. They're businesses that are probably fundamentally looking for a CMS solution that may also happen to have a little bit of e-commerce. Yeah built into the site. And those, I think, are very ripe for influence because they're going to turn to their technology partners. They're regularly listening to their technology partners. And you have an opportunity to say, hey, you're using WordPress already. I can consider this, yeah. Uh, so I have some questions about WooCommerce for you. And it's totally fine if it's a very obvious answer, but I don't like to assume. Like when you think about WooCommerce success, like we've seen a lot of growth in, in particular in the past few years, in particular this last year. What... What do you think are the are the keys to WooCommerce? Why has WooCommerce done as well as it has in terms of just overall growth in the market? I think it, according to Built With, it's like 25% of stores uh, are running on WooCommerce. I mean, I feel like I honestly, I, mean, I probably should ask you that question. I feel like I'm probably the least informed person in this group uh, to answer that question. I, my hunch is that it's... Uh, 
It is largely on the backbone of WordPress's increasing market share and reputation of having a good CMS solution. That, that's what I'd go with as well, right? Like sort of that connection to WordPress. So if that's the case, and as that's the case, like there, there is starting to be some change about that. Like there's starting to be like people searching for Woo- like so there's there's growth there. Like there's there's a momentum sort of built around it. But yet, if you take that connection to WordPress, do you think we can extrapolate the same reasons why WordPress has grown? Or is there enough of a difference with e-commerce as an industry? I, I, it's like, do we just, it's it's like, a part of the question is, is it the same playbook? And I'm starting to, to wonder like, oh, well, what, there, well, there's clearly things that are different about this e-commerce world and its complexity, especially when you get into the enterprise space. So I'm just, I'm more curious than anything. And for you as someone who's been in WordPress really well and has seen that growth and you're sort of seeing what's happening in Woo, do we just take the same lessons that we've learned from WordPress in terms of like enterprise adoption or do we think about it differently? I think it depends what space you're targeting uh, as your customer market. I think if what you're targeting is, again, sort of like the SMB, I do think you can succeed on a similar strategy of like it's a relatively low friction or specifically low cost option to get your foot in the door and you can kind of ladder up as your needs grow as a platform. Um, I think many of those same lessons may apply to SMB. I do think there's like, I think there are, where it gets very different, I think, is people that already have a business that are looking for an e-commerce solution, Hmm. which is a bit different than somebody looking for the thing that probably indirectly generates their revenue, which is the CMS, unless you're in media and publishing for your marketing site. And then there's the third wheel, which is enterprise. And I do think there's, uh, I'm probably most informed in that conversation, if I'm being honest. I think in enterprise, there, I guess I, I'd try to be relatively concise. I'd answer this in two ways. One is I do think the journey is different for the buyers. If what you're trying to break into is the category of businesses that think of themselves as e-commerce first, I think it is a different journey and a different sales approach. I guess the only secondary point I would make is, I think there's a lot of opportunity in WordPress as a CMS that it hasn't tapped into because for all of WordPress's successes, it still is limited in the enterprise CMS space. And I think some of the same ways WordPress has never really, for a lot of complicated reasons, ranging from open source software and decentralized development to its community ethos, yeah, is, is almost under-optimized on the opportunity you can get in the enterprise space because it also doesn't really follow that. So let's take WooCommerce in the enterprise for a moment. Uh, when you think about that, and that's kind of where you're generally putting more of your, your effort, time and energy and thinking about, what do you see, or, what are some of the main, main obstacles to growth and adoption there? So if you take the lessons learned from WordPress and your sort of sense of things, what, what do you feel like, what's standing in the way right now of WooCommerce's growth in the enterprise? I th- uh, so I think there are a few things that spring to my mind. Um, the first one, which is a very hard uh, thing to solve for, is in enterprise, this many years into e-commerce, there are already major entrenched players that are seen as de facto choices for like retail or pickup company, you know, software, whether it's good or bad software, frankly, there already are like the go-tos for yeah. here are the platforms you want to use. The other the other reason is um, uh, when you're talking about very big retail and very big online commerce, Woo is heavily under-indexed on the enterprise integrations that are required. So like the storefront, I know there are extensions for some of this and there are some plugins that are trying to address it, but it's still the case that at that very, you know, 
relatively small amount of customers compared to the mass market of just, you know, Etsy like storefront kind of a thing. Yeah. You need an integration for inventory management, for fulfillment, for accounting systems. It's a very different level of game that somebody that is has retail stores, has massive brand, has different presence in terms of how deep you need your storefront to go into all the platforms you use to run your business. Um, it's kind of asking like why, you know, the, the metaphor that comes to my mind is why like fresh books can't, you know, you know, fresh books is not going to be a replacement for like people soft. One of the like, enterprise systems It's sort of the closest metaphor I can, I can think of. There's just a very different level of like spend optimization that somewhere between it's not the focus of our attention in woo and on strategy and somewhere between it's just takes just hard to do that work. And there's not an obvious customer asking for it. It, it, to me, it feels a little bit of like a chicken and egg problem. And, and which makes me curious about like when, when that's the case, you can often like invest in one side or the other. And cause the, it's like WordPress and WooCommerce by extension, no pun intended have this, they're, you can, there's so much that you, you can, there's not a limit to being able to create high quality extensions, right? In terms of being, like, it's open source, right? Like you can create, you can create these things. I remember a couple of years back, I was doing research on SaaS integrations and it was a very sort of easy ask when you talk to some of these, these software as a service, these folks offering these integrations, they're like, oh yeah, that's important to us. Like we, they agreed to the importance, but there was this like, well, where do you start? Like if you're going to, you know, build these high, high, these high quality integrations. And I wonder what that looks like. Cause it feels to me, it's, it's, it is a bit of that, like someone has to start somewhere. And sometimes it's clients that say, we want this and we want this. And then an integration gets built. What I was trying to go at a while back was like, what can we do to encourage more of these software, these platforms themselves, the integration, the, this, you know, the things that want to be integrated in to make those investments, to recognize the you know, sort of the benefit they can they can have. I think it goes right back to your. I mean, it's almost like a at scale at a larger scale version of the question we started with earlier in this conversation, which is if you go to them in the abstract, it's hard to think how you prioritize that. If you go to them and say, "I have a large customer who's interest, interested in integrating your fulfillment software," how do we work together to get this customer on board both of our systems? That's a lot more attractive as a proposition. I do think it's a chicken and egg problem. I think it's you know like WordPress itself in many ways, although just mm. WordPress has slowly slow burned itself up to the scale, it, it, there is a challenge of, tr- of like, who is your target market? I would also say none of the enterprise software that I'm talking about that I see come up in the big e-commerce, none of it fills the hole that Woo fills or like a Shopify fills in the consumer market. They are hyper-focused as their entire model on how do they sell, market, position, build their brand around enterprise, mass scale, yeah. E-commerce. One of the things I think WordPress can suffer from is when you try and you try to be all things to all people. At some level, you end up being not a terribly good fit to anyone. So, last question for me on this sort of vein of thinking: If you could just uh, wave a wand, and you got like so thinking about your ambitions to like do more in the enterprise space, especially like with e-commerce and Woo, if you could just sort of wave a wand and get support from WooCommerce, like if there are things that we could just suddenly do to support that and the sort of the growth of, of Woo in the enterprise generally, any, what would that look like? Like what types of things could WooCommerce do to maybe make that chicken and egg, like to get something started? Good question. Um, I'm going by the seat of my pants here, but I guess a couple of things that would spring to my mind. Um, 
One is I do think if it wasn't such an effort, I do think thinking about how you might differentiate a Wu brand targeted at enterprise and hyper specifically market to that segment would be effective. So like, I don't know if that's like, you know, get cheesy here, like the Wu Enterprise Edition. I don't know what you call it, right? But something that very specifically, not like as a side page on the WooCommerce site, but a very specific campaign. Like a brand. Landing page on a site that tells the same kind of story that these like demandware type platforms talk about, which is integration into your inventory fulfillment. And here are how, here are how big brands are using it. Sort of take one of those, see those platforms doing it really well in terms of how they tell an enterprise story and have a woo version of that story that feels like a bit like the separate edition, the enterprise oriented implementation, even if really all it is, is some woo with a bunch of very sort of pre-vetted extensions and a different sales yeah. front. I think that's one thing that could really help move the needle forward on selling it into enterprise. I mean, if we're talking about magic wands, I guess the other thing would be like find even if you have to subsidize them, find a couple of flagship customers that you can point to as doing it at an extremely high scale um, and get them to adopt them. Probably not saying anything surprising here. There's nothing like a good story and case study. Yep. Someone you, you know, a business you respect choosing the platform and succeeding with it to start to move opinion. Fantastic. Well, I have three simpler questions to kind of close out here. I'm, I'm going to, this is kind of the wind down, you know, first we get start, ease into it, go into the big enterprise stuff. So the, actually this was really, this came to mind because I was asking somebody the other day, we were talking about enterprise and I said, define enterprise. I said, that's a word that's thrown around a lot. And he said, really big. And I, I got awaited and, and I, I, I want to ask you define enterprise for you know, I think everybody thinks really big, but is there really more to it than just really big? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll go a little bit meta first and say, like, I've actually taken to using the phrase enterprise less when I speak. That might sound surprising. So I think when we're in a meeting like this, I use that term. So I think we all have a, a you know, a notion of what it means. Like, you know, it's like the classic, like Supreme Court and pornography. I know when I see it, <laughs> and I think we all kind of know what we're talking about, even if we can't define it. Um, but I actually have taken myself to just saying things like larger scale customers or big business or big organizations instead of saying enterprise, because if you want to get kind of like technical and hair splitting, it is kind of a fuzzy term. I, I think very big is not actually a bad description for it. I think the thing that characterizes enterprise for me, which is a natural side effect of getting very big, is a significant number of compartmentalized divisions under one roof. So I think of it as, I think very practically for me, it's like there's a CTO office, there's a CMO office, there are multiple divisions working on different products. Bureaucracy might be too strong of a word to use for it, but the notion that you're not talking to like a unified, tight little unit, um, again, without using little, just a tight unit with very clear, structured, singular decision-making, command, control, budget approval, but you are navigating an entity that has multiple offices, probably multiple budget arms, yeah, multiple stakeholders with different kind of influence on the decision-making process is what, you know, in my mind, what characterizes it. Right. Now I want to close out in lieu of your 10 year anniversary. Cause I always go back 10 year anniversary is a cool, I mean, <laughs> every, everybody's got to celebrate 10 year anniversary. Yeah. So the first year, just to give people a perspective of 10 up the first year, how many employees have and how many do you have today? Uh, at some point, I lost actual count of the first year exact number, but it was somewhere between six and eight. 
by the end of our first year, um, as we entered our 10th year, we were, you know, now I just don't count precisely somewhere in the neighborhood of like 220 to 230, uh, plus a good number of like regular contractors that mm-hmm. along with that team. So, and last this, uh, maybe you've told this story and I've never heard it. Where did 10 up come from? So 10 up comes from the idea of like the last 10% being the hardest on a project. So there's a, you know, uh, there's probably preaching to the choir. There's a notion that like the classic, like, you know, designer or engineer, whomever, uh, uh, producer that says something's like it's 90, the classic, it's 90% done. <laughs> right. And we, I think we all know that have been in projects. It is often for reasons that are psychological, saving the hardest part for the end, the final approvals you have to get sign offs. That last 10% is the hardest. I think the last 10% is what separates the good from the great, uh, in terms of team, the mediocre from the stellar, uh, in terms of craftsmanship. So that's a much cooler answer than, I get, I never asked. I've always, so I, my first thought was the, I always think like Mario. So you get the one up and the 10 of them. And the next one was like, people talk about one upping each other and then well 10 up. They're just, you know, that much, they're going that much better. The last 10%. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never guessed. I mean, I will tell you like there, I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly religious about names or a bunch of ideas when I started a company that I threw around and I will tell you like, which name ended up being the one that was selected from a bunch of ideas, including the last variations on the last 10% was a bit of like what domain is available, what name is not already taken by an agency, what is searchable without finding. Uh, I'm a big proponent of like those being the big practical indexing factors over preciousness about a meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Even got um, fewer letters than Bob WP, you know, so (laughs) digits numbers. Short URL were a thing at the time that might've been a, yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, enterprise. Yeah, this was fun talking enterprise, hearing more about that. I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they hear about it, but they're still maybe that's their their dream, their anticipation to have enterprise clients. But um, this is good stuff. So, yeah. Uh, where's the best place for people to connect with you on the Web? So uh, one-to-one, that's probably uh, Twitter. That's just at Jake M. Gold. If you want to know generally what we're up to from a business perspective, honestly, tenup.com and our blog is the place to get uh, get the best pulse on what I'm thinking about, what our priorities are. Excellent. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Again, thank you to PayPal, our community sponsor. And I just also want to give a, a little heads up. Uh, we started our uh, WooCommerce Builder uh, community events and from that has sprung the woocommerce uh builder event podcast which is basically just repurposing it but if you're into podcasts rather than watching the event you'll be able to um sign up for that feed so otherwise yeah just um keep in tune here to all the stuff we have going on here and i'd just like to close out by thanking you very much jake it was a pleasure to see you again i can't wait to see you again in person but i do appreciate you joining us My pleasure. Also looking forward to that.